Welcome to the Renovate Podcast, where the extraordinary is revealed in the ordinary, dedicated followers of Christ build their home, artists and musicians find a voice, and technology takes its place in the church as the ultimate tool for spreading God's love. So, Stephanie, uh, tell us who we're interviewing today. Today we are interviewing Mandy Erskine. She worked for Catholic Answers. She also did Reach Youth Ministry from 1991 to 2001. Currently, she is a self-employed PR booking agent for The Thirsting, which is a Catholic rock band based out of Vancouver, Washington. Throughout her career, she has done chastity talks. She's very funny and energetic, and she has a very dynamic speaking presence, for sure. Cool. So, Mandy, say hello. Hello! <laughs> Hi. So we've got uh, we've got Mandy on Skype interview here. Um, so we're hoping that we get a good quality interview. This is the first time we've ever done a, a Skype interview. Um, so uh, let, let's just let's get a little um, let's get a little bio about Mandy here. Um, or start with a question, actually. Okay. So Mandy, in your opinion. What is your definition of a young adult Catholic, and how do their needs differ from high school or other ministries? Um, the definition of a young adult Catholic, it's really interesting. When I was living in um, San Diego, that's kind of just where um, I spent most of my time is with the, the Catholic young adults there. Mm. Um, really just like seeing how the Catholic Church affected their lives. Um, okay. and how they were striving to live out their faith. Um, I think the need for young adult groups is really important um, because in high school, it's like you go to these groups if you want to. You don't really have to, but your friends are there and it's fun and you do all kinds of crazy cool stuff. You go on retreats and then uh-huh. after you graduate high school and you become a young adult, there's really not a whole lot for young adults in in our, I don't know about where you guys are at, but where I'm at in, uh, in Yakima, there's not a whole lot of young adults that are active in their faith. Um, so I think it's really important to find a, a young adult group and just latch onto them and, and find your place in in that group. I know for me, like down in San Diego, you know, we had um, hundreds of people that would just come to these groups, um, group events, and it was a very thriving um, area. I think all of us young adults at that time, when I was down there, were really um, growing leaps and bounds in our faith. I say that I, I was born and raised in in Yakima, but I grew up in San Diego um, just because of the, the community I was with. Um, and it reminds me a lot of the, um, the scripture out of Syriac, about a faithful friend is a sturdy shelter, and I think in young adult groups, you find those sturdy shelters. It's so important as a young adult because you have so many more um, opportunities to go out and be naughty. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you have like young adults who are helping you to stay firm in your faith. Those are like your sturdy shelters. Those are the people that your pillars around you that are helping you get to heaven. Um, and I think it's so important to have 
those kind of people in your life, especially after high school. Because, like, in high school, you're still, you know, under mom and dad's roof. But when you're becoming an adult, you know, you're going off to college, you're graduating college, you're, you know, living out in the world. And there's the bar scenes, there's the party scenes, there's the club scenes, there's, you know, all these different things that you can get involved in. Um, and I think if you don't have that that base of a good Catholic young adult group, it's so easy to go off course and just find find trouble when you're not even trying to find trouble. Absolutely. So I think it's vital to have a good Catholic young adult group. Otherwise, you're it's you know that you can't you can't stand on your own as well, especially when you're starting to fall. There's no one there to help catch you. Um, to bring me back. So um, that's one thing I really miss about San Diego um, that I'm, I'm sad about um, up here is that there's not a young adult community that's um, as vibrant and as accepting of people my age um, mm-hmm. who are single and don't have children. And um, I think it's important to have that. So um, yeah. I long for my trips to San Diego. So I think <laughs> those good young adults who are going to bring me back to my, bring me back to my center. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So, so for someone that is, is living a single life, um, and, and is, uh, and is feeling a calling towards living that single life. Um, you know, what sort of advice would you give to someone like that? That's maybe like, I don't want to be single, but I am single. Um, you know, what, what are some, uh, what's some advice that you would give someone like that? Gosh, that's a great question. It's like me talking to myself on that one. Um, (laughs) I don't want to be, and, um, I complain to God about that every day. Um, but I, I just, the thing that I keep getting in prayer is just his plan is better than our um, imagination. Like mm. what he has planned. And I was praying a lot about this on Saturday when I had to drive to Tacoma, um, just about my vocation and, and where I'm meant to be. And how is that, you know, with other people in, in society thinking about this question ahead of time. Um, I just, God's plan is bigger and we don't know what it is. Um, I have had several friends of mine who, at my age were still single and begrudging their singleness and um just out of the blue like god knocked him over the head and we're just like here's your vocation here's your spouse or here's your you know i I need you to be a religious and they openly really go towards that and i think that's part of the call for all of us whether we're called to be single if we're called to be married if we're called to to the religious life like giving every day completely to God and just banking on him to bring about the, the vocation, the, the reality of your vocation. Um, a friend of mine recently went on a, a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and she's one of my, my best friends, and she was talking about, you know, before she left, about her desires to be um, in her vocation and to know what her vocation is, and she went to the Holy Land with the intention of, you know, God clarifying that, what her vocation is. And she came home and realized that her vocation is to be a consecrated single. Mm. And in all of the relationships she's had with men, um, and now the relationships that she has, knowing that her vocation is to be a consecrated single, 
I have never seen her so happy and so joy-filled to be single in all of my life with her. Um, so That's just incredible. to find, I feel like God calls me a lot, find the joy in where he's planted me. Um, and right now he's planted me in the life of, of the singlehood. Um, I don't believe that's my calling is to be a consecrated single. Um, but you know, just to find joy in, in that, um, like, have you seen the movie or have you heard that movie mom's night out? I wanted to take my mom to that on mother's day, but unfortunately it wasn't playing in the theater nearest me. So I took my mom yesterday. And as I was sitting there watching it, I was like, I need to be so grateful for this time of singleness because when mommy would come to my it's going to be bananas. <laughs> and so I need to be excited and joyful for these moments because God yes. created this time of this season of singleness. Um, and I don't know if religious life is where he's calling me or if it's um, to marriage that he's calling me, but just to find joy in in the time that he has you in right now, I think is the most important um, thing for anybody who's waiting to learn the vocation. Just find the joy and find it with him. Like he needs to be your first love, and that's one thing I talk about a lot. In talks that in uh, relationships, like God has got to be the most important in any relationship you have, um, and that includes like when you are in the vocation of marriage, like God still has to be your number one. And mm-hmm. in the time of singleness, it's so important to, to get used to him being number one so that when you do get into that relationship with your spouse, God's still in the forefront of your mind. Like you're still doing everything you can for him. Um, and living out your, your life according to his desires for you. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. making him the most important single so that he's the most important when you're not single yes so that you have the most important thing you know at the forefront and so that everything stays in the proper balance right right yeah he's your your foundation basically so So find the joy with him as your foundation what has been the most gratifying or rewarding moment thus far in your vocation to be a chastity speaker? Well, I have the freedom to go whenever I need to go. Like, I don't have to worry about, you know, who's going to take care of my kids. (laughs) (laughs) I have to worry about who's going to take care of my puppy now, but um, (laughs) I don't have to worry about what, um, you know, who's going to be, who's going to be tucking my kids into bed at night and where are they going to be? And, you know, I don't have to worry about that stuff. I can just say, okay, you need me in, Michigan on this day, all right, you're, you know, here we go, going to Alaska, you know, here we go, going to, you know, wherever. I, I have the freedom to to go where where God's calling me to go, and I wouldn't have that freedom if I had children. So I'm grateful, um, I'm grateful that I don't have kids yet, so that I can't have that freedom to go and do what he needs me to do um, while I have the time. So I have another question for you. How should a Catholic that really cares about their faith approach the arts and media? That's a great question. I I think that when it comes to media and and arts, look at it through the eyes of purity. Like have a pure mind when you're 
going to those things. Like when I was in the Sistine Chapel a couple of weeks ago, you know, there's tons of nakedness all over, <laughs> you know, and uh-huh. if if you're not looking at it through the eyes with with pure eyes, you you know, I mean, you could get simple looking at the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, but or even in the Vatican, there's tons of nakedness there. You know, like just. If you look at it with the eyes of purity, and you look at, um, like, watch what you're watching, you know, I mean, I I wouldn't suggest ever watching anything on HBO or Cinemax or Showtime, you know, like, those kind of things, especially after certain hours of the day. So, so uh, should that affect your choices, like, when you go to the movies with your friends, or is that, does that not really matter? I think it, it, it's all in the eyes of the beholder to me. Like, I can't say, like, you shouldn't go watch, um, well, there are certain movies, yeah, don't go to. Um, <laughs> there are things that you should not watch, you know, like, satanic things in there for sure don't go. Um, if there's a lot of, like, pornography, most of the movies that come out anymore these days has a pornography just, like, laced throughout, and it's making it, like, no big deal, even on the sitcoms that they have on TV. Like, I like watching Big Bang Theory. I think it's hilarious. But mm-hmm. it's so inappropriate. Like, some of the jokes that they have in there mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the, the scenes that they have are just completely inappropriate. Um, and I think you just have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, what? how is this affecting your soul? You know, as right. my mom watches movie uh, shows. I sit and I'll watch a show with her. Um and there's one that she watches, and I just, I can't stand it. I think it's such a terrible show. Um, and I told her, you know, we shouldn't watch this show because it's not, it's not nourishing our soul. It really is affecting our souls. And I think that's the, the eye that you need to, to go into the arts and media. Is this feeding my soul and bringing me closer to Christ, or is it tearing me apart? And when I'm seeing these images in the arts or in the media, what am I what is it doing to me on the inside? Like, where does my mind go when I, when I see that, you know, where does my, um, where does, where do things take me? I'm, am I, am I being pure about this when I'm watching this show? Mm-hmm. Am I being entertained by this or is this causing me to be more lustful or is this causing me to start objectifying other things or is this feeding, um, any of the addictions that we have? Um, but I think you really have to go into it with, with open eyes and really ask, you know, is this feeding my soul? Is this feeding, feeding my desire to be in heaven? Or is this tearing me away from from what God needs and wants of me? Uh-huh. And, and I think on a related note, um, you know, going into the topic of using technology, you know, we, we use media, we use, you know, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all those things. And, and they're a tool that can be used for good or for evil. Um, so, you know, what, what's your approach to, I guess, the, the overall use of technology and, um, and like, how, how can you use it as a tool? Because, you know, to fight against the evil that we've experienced with the, with the sexualization of our culture, how can we fight against that? Um, I think we can fight against that by having a voice in that. I mean, if we're um, going out there and telling, you know, like writing to these shows that are being inappropriate or things, you know, that are 
popping up, you know, if we have a voice and start saying, you know what, that's completely inappropriate, you know, like on Facebook, I can go on Facebook and there's going to be like all kinds of crap on my, on my newsfeed. And I'm like, what yep. is this? Like, I don't want, uh, I don't want to see this. Yeah. And so I, you know, I'll click on there. Don't show me this. It's inappropriate. I do the um, same thing. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's all in the, the eyes of the beholder. Like how... How are you using technology? And I think a lot of times technology can be abused um, in that it becomes an addiction. Like, how often are we checking our Facebook or how often are we checking our Twitter feeds? And how often are we, you know, wasting time at work? And I know I'm guilty of this. Um, <laughs> how much time am I wasting at work being on these social media sites when I should be actually working? You know, like, I have a lot I need to be doing, but I would rather waste time, you know, on Facebook, and I convince myself of that a lot, um, in, you know, you need to turn it off, like, for Lent, I tried to give up Facebook, and I totally sucked at it, you know, I was like, well, maybe just Sundays, and I was like, yeah, maybe just once a day, okay, how about twice a day, <laughs> you know, like, just justifying, and I know that that was, that was tearing me away from, from doing what I needed to do, it's and it was hard. tearing me away from my, my my joy of myself, I guess, like, I would get down on myself, like, man, I can't believe you just wasted a half an hour on Facebook when you could have wasted that half an hour making phone calls, you know, like, mm. it's I've so there. wasteful, <laughs> and, um, so I think, like, when you're looking at technology and how you can use it to, you just have to look at what you're doing with it, you know, like, if you're reading, you know, National Catholic Registry about what the Pope just said, you know, at mm-hmm. Mass today, you know, that's awesome, if it's going to help you grow in your faith, then by all means do it, but if it's tearing you away from what's what's good, um, and it's causing you to feel bad about yourself, then, like, don't do it, you know, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. take, the, take the sliver out of your own eye, um, and stop using it. So today I wanted to talk about Heaven is for Real. I went and saw that last weekend and this was a great movie. I really liked it and I would definitely give it a thumbs up because it reminded me in a subtle way about faith. We don't need miraculous stories. We don't need to see it to believe it. This was something that I saw in the movie because Colton Burpo, the four-year-old boy who had a near-death experience, saw heaven but had a hard time convincing those he loved that he had actually been there. These kinds of things are inspiring but not necessary for faith. For blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. The overall message of the film is that God brings something good out of everything bad that happens And I think that's really important to keep in mind as we go through life because not everything is sunshine and flowers. There's a lot of hurt and challenges, but God will make it work for the good. And while we're at it, you should head over to thethirstingcatholic.com. The Thirsting is a Catholic rock band. Um, Mandy does the booking for them. Um, So if you head over to their website, you can get access to information about the band and uh, maybe get in touch with Mandy to book them in your area. And uh, you can also purchase their albums and check out their music. It's good stuff. How has being 
a professional speaker that travels affected your faith life, like going to Mass and receiving the sacraments and such? I made sure that um, when I'm going to different areas, depending on when I'm there, and um, I always make sure that I'm able to receive the sacraments. I like to go to confession before I go to um, give a talk. Um, oh, just great. because I want to be a clean vessel for the Lord. Like, I want to be able to allow Him to use every part of me, my good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I will seek out a priest to go to confession before I, either before I travel or when I get there. Um, I always make sure that I'm able to receive sacraments. Um, I don't tend to ever skip Mass unless it's like, n- there's no way I can get there and that never happens. Make sure that it's a priority for me. Faith is a priority and sacraments are priority. So I make sure that I'm always getting to those sacraments. And um, actually, when I'm on stage giving my talks, that's when I feel I am the closest to God. And oh wow! And doing exactly what He is calling me to do. Um, and that's like the only time in my life where I give God this complete control over my mouth. <laughs> um, because like a lot of times I have no idea like how to plan. I'll, I'll work and stress and um, prepare months in advance when I'm giving a presentation. Um, and then when I get up there, the things that I have are, like prepared and planned or whatever, it's not what comes out. And so mm-hmm. I know that, that those are the times when God is really working, he's really in control and um, really just taking over and just reminding me that he's got it. You know, don't worry about it. I've got it. i got it. You take care of so don't worry about it. So, um, Your talks have always really inspired me, so I think that the Holy Spirit definitely is at work there. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of times when I don't talk, I'm like, oh my gosh, that I didn't think I needed to say that, but I can, it's a lot, a lot of times I need to hear what I'm saying too. So <laughs> I think it's funny how, how he does that to me. Mm-hmm. And also, how has being a self-employed ministry person affected your dreams and your goals for your life? Um, it's it's hard to be honest. Um, being self-employed right now, I only have one um, artist that I'm working with. Um, not including myself. Um, I don't like self-promotion, so I don't do it very well. Um. Well, but, we can help you with that. Yes. <laughs> like, but just, you know, I have one one um, client that sends one paycheck a month or one check a month, and I have to live up that that stipend for the whole month. And that I'm grateful that I have family that lets me live in their house for free, mm-hmm. um, and they provide all my food. Um, what a in, blessing. Well, this lady was telling me that I was such a princess because my mom still makes my lunch every day. <laughs> and I'm so old, and I still have my mom making me lunch and dinner. But um, it's been it's been hard, um, to be honest. It's been hard to be self-employed and in ministry. Those are like, to be in ministry is hard in and of itself just because of the... the um, the Catholic culture and what our church is going through right now with a lot of the, um, a lot of churches closing, uh, a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of, um, parishes not making their ends meet. Um, it's hard to, to get jobs for the, for the thirsting and for myself. Um, 
yeah. to get paid what they're worth um, just because the churches don't have the the money to spend. So it is hard to be self-employed um, in a ministry and then have goals for my life. You know, like I wanted to buy a house two years ago and I couldn't because I'm self-employed. So mm. um, it, it is hard to, to have dreams and goals and live them out knowing that you live on such a tight budget. Um, and there's really not a lot of, um, like in the future to see the income going higher. It's not something that that looks like it's going to happen. Most businesses, you know, can project like five years out, I'm going to be making X amount of money. Well, in ministry, being self-employed, it's really hard to to have those projections because you don't know what what God has in store. You kind of your whole life is just banking on on God, making sure that you're in need and that um, you're taken care of. So well, that's it's not easy, tough. but it's totally worth it. Yeah, that's hard though. And and what are your goals, both for the next year and the next five? If you want to think that far ahead. <laughs> well, um, I try really hard not to make goals, um, so I don't get disappointed. <laughs> that's not happen. Um, so within the next year, I'd like to to know, have an idea of what my vocation is. That's my my main goal right now is to, to have that figured out. Whether it is to be uh, consecrated religious or if it's meant to be in a marriage um i'd like in the next year to have at least an idea of which direction god needs me to go in um and then from there just who knows five years i'll have my car paid off <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i don't know i'm i'm always just banking on what god got planned and i never fully know what he got up his feet do you think that enough young adults give their life over to God like that? And, or do you think that we just tend to plan ourselves and do what we want to do? And what do, what do you think about that? I think it's important for anybody, no matter if you're young adults or high school students or, or older adults, like our parents. I, I think if we have goals and things that we want in our life and if we have a plan, to offer up that plan at the altar. Like, when we go up for communion, just leave it down at the altar, at the, the foot of the cross. Like, Lord, this is what I want, mm -hmm. but not my will yours be it, be done. Like, fiat is my favorite four-letter F word, um, because I feel like I'm saying it all the time. Just not my will yours be done. Like, I have this idea of what I would love to have in my life, but it's not up to me if that's going to work. It's up to God if he wants for me. Um, so I think it's important to just make your plans for sure, um, and do the best you can, but always know that if it doesn't work out, God's got something up his sleeve. Like he's always got something better than what we can imagine. Um, whether it's dealing with the hard times or dealing with the joyful times, because we're all going to have those in our life, no matter what our vocation is, no matter where we're at, we're going to have our eyes and our flows. Um, it's like I always talk about roller coasters in my story or in my yes. talks, just how um, we do have those epic highs and epic lows. When we're on that roller coaster, you know, we're in that cart, we're on those tracks, and God has a plan. Those tracks are God's plan for us. Yes. Uh, and the the harnesses that are keeping us in that roller coaster cart are 
it's his protection all around us, his love and protection around us. And we have the the opportunity and the choice to, to let go, enjoy the ride, or to hang on for dear life. So um, I, I just feel like, you know, it's, make your plans, but know that God has already, like, he, I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a firm believer in predestination, but I do feel that he's got a plan, and it's up to us to follow his plan or um, to not follow his plan. And if we don't follow his plan, eventually we'll come to walk in the road and get back on track. I, I, I think that's actually really funny because um, I was I was listening to I, I listen to podcasts kind of constantly, mm-hmm. and uh, I recently listened to one uh, by the director of um, Disney and Pixar, uh-huh. and he and Pixar has actually been around for a really really long time, and when they first started they had no clue what they were doing they just had this technology and they were like we don't know what the heck we're doing, and then, mm-hmm. then ten years later they came out with Toy Story. And finally they were like, oh, I guess we make cartoon videos and like blah, 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 you know, and it it was a real journey for them. Um, And just to hear um, like how they, um, you know, kind of like their approach is we don't have a business plan. We just do, we just do something. (laughs) (laughs) They, They make, you know, they'll make a business plan and then immediately throw it out. That's he said. The uh, I, f- I forget the guy's name. He he was the director of Disney and Pixar. But he said they would make a business plan, and then a month later they would toss it out. But they're still making blockbusters, but he, right? Yeah, but he said that the that the gem in that is that you make a plan so that you have a plan, but just know that it's that's never going to happen. Yeah, your business plan will never result in like <laughs> in manifesting. You have right. to adapt to every opportunity that you have. And so his his point of view was that to reach success is not one giant leap. It's every decision you take the best option. Yeah. And so I think that's I think that's kind of what you're saying is that you might not know exactly what's what's gonna happen uh, in in the next five years, but um, but you're gonna take each you're going to take the best decision out of every decision that you have. Yeah. Good. Exactly. So, uh, so let's, let's see. We got one last question for you. Okay. Um, then we'll kind of wrap up and maybe chit-chat. Um, with, uh, with, your last, with, uh, with your latest trip abroad, I think you went to Rome. Is that right? <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, with your latest trip abroad to Rome... What is one thing that you gained a deeper understanding of in regards to your personal faith? <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, yes, Rome. That was very interesting. Um, I went for the canonization of um, St. John Paul II and St. John the 23rd. Um, so cool. And it, <laughs> I'm so jealous. I was there for my birthday, which was awesome. We spent the day in Assisi on my birthday, and I thought that was really cool never had a birthday where I was in such an amazing place. Mm-hmm. Um, to see all of the different um, holy places um, and to to be able to pray at the tomb of St. Francis and the, the death place of, of St. Clair and to be in the Vatican and, you know, go to the catacombs where the, you know, popes are buried. Um, just... 
it made me realize that there's so much about this faith that I just don't understand. There's so much about the Catholic Church that I don't know, and there's so much about God that just blows my mind. Like, how how did he create all of this and, and all of these people? You know, we were camping out for the vigil um, for the Canadian Mass, and that was probably the worst experience I've ever had in my life. <laughs> A Catholic event, um, because it's like, they tell you you're going to be in this really cramped place and that it's going to be just uncomfortable and just to offer up everything. And it was really interesting because like throughout the night I was with a group of people from all over the U S um, and we got to the place around three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, just outside the barricade, um, that street, I don't even know what it's called, um, where you can see the Vatican at the end of it. Um, and at midnight, they opened up one set of gates. So people just, like, rushed in. And I, it was, like, pushing, pulling, tugging. Up. Like, 250-pound guy decided that he was going to use me for his chair. Yikes. Um, so he just kind of leaned up against me. And I'm like, this is not going to work, my friend. Like, you need to stand up because I am not that big. I can't hold your weight and my weight and the people around us weight. So um, it, was, it was so... Uh, it was such a rough, rough night um, because the whole night from midnight to three o'clock the following afternoon, like it was just constant push, pull, tug, elbows, jabs, you know, like there was, there was no rest and you, you stand there and you offer it up, you offer up the, the pain. Like I thought my back was going to break in half at a few points throughout the night. Oh man. Um, you're offering it up, and, like, for me, like, I realized in listening to this podcast earlier today about Sermon of Spirit, um, you, for me, offering up all this stuff, I'm like, see, Lord, I'm suffering, I'm suffering, you see all this suffering I'm going through, now where's my payoff, what's my payoff, like, what am I going to get for all of this suffering that I'm, I'm going through, you know, I'm like, I, for all of this suffering, my payoff is I want to be in St. Peter's Square for the canonization. Mm-hmm. And I was ticked off my rocker when I didn't get in. <laughs> I was so upset oh. because I didn't get in. And I was just like, I, I hadn't realized, stepped back and realized, and it's taken me this long. Like, I got home uh, almost two weeks ago. And just, I was so frustrated that I didn't get the payoff that I thought I deserved after going through all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I turned, I had my breaking point where, like, canonization was over, and I just sat in my chair and I just cried, because I was like, I went through all of that for nothing, like, I couldn't even see the screen, because there were obstacles in front of me, I couldn't understand what was going on, because I didn't bring a a radio to to hear the translation, Um, and I was just like, you know what, Lord, I was beat up all night long, I saw the worst of people all night long, offered all of this up, and what did I get in return? I got nothing but frustration and, and bitterness. And that really irritated me um, <laughs> to the core because I was like, you know what, if I, I'm offering all this up, I should be getting something in return. Like, where are the graces that I'm receiving? And so, so it turned out, instead of being something about God, it turned out to be something about me. Like, mm. me being so self-centered, like, what am I going to get out of all of this pain and suffering? And that's not what I was called to do. I was called to offer it up for the souls of the people who have asked me to take their intentions with me to, to, um, to the canonization, and I did. Um, but yeah, I was, I was upset with myself that 
that I made it about me instead of about the true purpose of, of being there. And that was to, to be a part of this canonization and to be a part of, um, the community of, of church. Um, right. and instead of allowing myself to get bitter and angry, um, I should have been joy filled because I was one of like, you know, a million people in Rome that got to be, you know, mm-hmm. 200 yards from the Vatican. You know, I was right there where I could hear everything. Um, and if I would have just relaxed a little bit more, I could have been in a better spot. Um, so I learned that I'm, I'm very self-centered and that's really <laughs> a hard pill to swallow because that's not what I want for myself. Like I, I want to be God-centered and not self-centered. And I so, think uh, I, I think that's really inspirational that you say that, Mandy, because I think that motivation is one of the one of the most difficult things to determine about people. Yeah. You know, you see people that are doing these wonderful things in the name of God and you know and then you sometimes you get to know somebody and you're like, you know, I I don't really know if your motivation is is quite what you say it is. Yeah. And so I, I'm actually really inspired and um, like, and I want to say proud of you. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's amazing and incredible that, that you admit that and you would use that as part of your testimony because yeah. a lot of people wouldn't even admit to that, that, um, you know, you, you've done something, you did something that many people would be like, oh, wow, that's all for God. And you're like, yeah, but the personal lesson that I learned in this was, um, you know, how selfish we all really are. Mm-hmm. And for sure. And I think that's I think that's kind of across the board. I don't think I think that you have kind of an extreme circumstance that happened with that. But I think that yeah. a lot of people would identify with that story. Probably like, why me? Yeah. Why am I not able to see what's going on? But it sounds like you sure found a grace to pull from that suffering and share your story with us. And it's very, very encouraging. Yeah. I, I think going forward, I mean, it's a good thing to, to look back at all of your, your motivations and intentions, like the things we talked about earlier, like with the technology and media and, all that, like, what, what's, what are you taking from it? What are you, what's the purpose? And what's your payoff? That's one thing that a counselor used to say to me all the time, like, what's your payoff? If you do this, what's, what's your payoff? What's your reward? And uh-huh. I think that's a, that's something that we can all in, in everyday life look at. It doesn't have to be an extreme situation like that, but just in, in everything we do, what's, what's my motivation and, and who, who am I doing this to please? Am I doing this to please myself or am I doing this to please the Lord? Mm. Uh, Good question. So, I think that's pretty much the end of the interview. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> we're pretty we're pretty lax around here. <laughs> so, uh, we try to keep it as unprofessional as possible. Um, but thank you that this, this was a, a very inspirational to me and enlightening, enlightening discussion. Um, so, okay. So let's, uh, let's close with getting your opinion on a quote by the recent St. 
Pope John Paul II, the Great, that you kind of witnessed his canonization. <laughs> and he said, the future starts today, not tomorrow. What's Just, your what's your uh, thoughts on that quote? My, my thoughts are, it, it's very well said. Like I said earlier, you know, like the choices we make today are going to affect our tomorrow. So our future isn't tomorrow. It, it's right now. It's present. Um, every every action we do, every um, everything that we that we do is going to affect not just ourselves, but it's going to affect affect our future and the things around us. And, um, so if we're um, thinking that, oh, you know, I'll start my diet tomorrow, I'll go for a walk tomorrow, I'll do something else tomorrow, instead of waiting for tomorrow, just start it today, you know, like, mm. if, if you want to have a better faith life or um, better friends or a better life, don't wait till tomorrow, don't wait, just just do it now, just start now, um, because you're not guaranteed tomorrow, you're not guaranteed another hour, you know, you're, there's, no, there's no guarantee. So why not live live it out now instead of waiting? Great, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs>